You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. Can I have a moment of your time? A couple of weeks ago, not this Friday, but last Friday, two Fridays ago, I had to go to Aiken. Um, I had to get my tires rotated and had to uh, buy a battery for my truck and, and uh, do some work on, on my truck. And so um, I was still off of work because of the baby. And so I woke up and got dressed and uh, Noah woke up and I said, hey, buddy, I said, you want to come with me to Aiken? We'll go eat at Chick-fil-A or Walmart, I mean, uh, uh, McDonald's, we'll, we'll go get something at Target or Walmart, you know, wanted to just take him out, hang out with him, uh, I knew it was, you know, with the baby, he wants to be near mom, and, you know, all those fun things, and so I said, hey, I said, you want to come with me? He said, no, I said, good, <laughs> appreciate that, buddy. I mean, I was trying to butter him up, I said, we'll go to McDonald's, they've got the toys that you want. I'll take you to Chick-fil-A after that. We'll go to Target. I already had this idea. I had like three or four things that I had to do. Um, but I knew behind the scenes, I was just going to bless him. I was just going to, just, we were just going to have a fun day. And um, he said, no, I don't want to go. I said, oh, cool, cool kid, glad. And I got in the truck and I left by myself. He, he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay with his mom. He didn't want to come to church today. He wanted to stay with his mom. And uh, I said, that's fine. And, and so I got in the truck and I was driving to, to Aiken. And uh, if I'm being honest with you, as a father, I was just a little discouraged in that moment. I said, man, I just wanted to hang out with my boy. I just wanted to spend some time with him. And, uh, and Maddie had texted me and she said, I'm, I'm sorry that sometimes our son's the worst. I said, yeah, I know. He gets it from you probably. So, <laughs> and uh and so I was just driving to, to Aiken, and, and God started speaking to me. He said, you know, he said, the feeling that you have right now is the feeling that I, ha- I have when, when I want to meet you, when I want to spend some time with you. He said, you know that feeling that you're feeling right now? He says that, that feeling of just wanting to spend time with your son, hang out and love and enjoy and talk and he said, that's the feeling I have. When you get too busy, when you got things going on, when you don't have time, he says, he says, that's how I feel. We believe here at the church that God still speaks to us. God wants to talk to us and have a relationship with us. He can be open and honest with us, and, and he can talk with us at any time, at any moment. And as I'm driving to Aiken, I start having this encounter with God. I start speaking with him and talking with him as he starts showing me, this is how I feel. And today I want to speak to you out of John chapter 4, and I believe that this is something that God is asking you today, just like he's asking me today. The simple question, can I have a moment of your time? Can I have just a moment of your time? In the busyness of your life, Jesus is asking, can I just have a moment of your time? We're going to read this story, and it's a well-known story if you've been in church before. It's the story of the woman at the well, and we're just going to take a little section of it today, and we're going to start in John chapter 4, verse 5. We're going to go through about five scriptures, but we're going to take it kind of line by line. And so Jesus, so he came to a city of Samaria, starting in verse 5, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So Jesus is just starting his ministry, starting to get well known. They didn't have... Taxis back then, they didn't have cars, they didn't have Uber, they didn't, they didn't have anything. All they had was their two feet and maybe a horse or donkey if they were available. So anywhere that he wanted to go, any ministry that he wanted to do, he had to get his walking boots on and 
Hit the road, Jack. So it says here that he was traveling from, from Samaria. He was weary from his journey, and he goes and sits at this well. It's about the sixth hour. What's interesting is, it says Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. That word, weary, is the same word that we talked about last week. As I was studying it uh, last night, I saw this scripture that we talked about last week, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Last week we talked about the importance of rest, and we should have that up on the, the website and the podcast soon. But it's interesting that that word, verse 28, come unto me all you who labor, is the same Greek word as in John chapter 4, verse 5, where it says Jesus was weary from his journey. That Jesus understood when he says, come unto me all who are labor and are weary and heavy labor, and I will give you rest. He understood that because he was experiencing it in his own life. He says, I know how to give you rest because I've been in that position. Here he is, he's sitting at this well, and it's the sixth hour. And he meets this woman that we'll see in the next verse. He's tired, he's hungry, says that his disciples had left to go get food. He's weary, he's tired, he's hungry. He's going through all the emotions, all the grumpiness that we get when we're tired and hungry. Have you seen those Snickers commercials? They say, man, you... You're not yourself when you're hungry. And they hand him a Snickers, turns back into whoever. But Jesus shows up to help this Samaritan woman, even when he's tired, even when he's weary, even when he's exhausted. And he's just asking to have a moment of her time, just to spend a moment with her. And it shows in the Scriptures that he's there at the sixth hour. That number six in the Bible is the number six is the number of man. We know that because of 666. Ah, yikes, a scary number. But the number six is the number of man or man's weakness. And it's just such a beautiful picture of the gospel in this first scripture. Jesus being tired and weary shows up on the doorstep of humanity when they're tired, when they're weak, when they're full of sin. He's in pain, he's in agony on the cross, and he says, I'm just here to help. I know you're struggling. I know you're going through something in your life. Jesus doesn't tell anybody that he's tired. Jesus doesn't tell anybody that he's weary. Jesus doesn't tell anybody that he's hungry. He's just there to help because he sees this woman and he knows that he can help her. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, it's a beautiful scripture that says, that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Boy, that's an encouraging scripture. Amen. Woo! Praise God. I'm glad. But this is who you were. This is exactly the position that you were in. But thank you for verse 13. I love those but statements in the, in the gospel. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the precious blood and cross and pain and suffering and death of Jesus Christ. 
That there was nothing that you could do to get into that promise. It says he's the one that brought you there. We see it in this microcosm of encountering this woman at the well. Jesus shows up to this woman to help her. She has no idea what's about to happen. Let's keep reading the story. In verse 6, it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. I believe verse 7 says, For his disciples, verse 8, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. There's nobody around. At this moment, in all of humanity, Jesus is with one person. This woman doesn't know who Jesus is at the time. Jesus has created all humanity, past, present, and future. And in this story, he takes the time out of his busy schedule to sit down and talk with one person. God, how's you're not going to do, you're not going to make any difference just talking to one person. You need to go be in stadiums. You need to go be on social media. You need to be on TV. You need to be talking to thousands and thousands and millions and billions of people. You just talking to one person is, it's, it's, it's not going to take the kingdom like we and the disciples expected him to take the kingdom. But that's not Jesus. Jesus is relational. He'll take time out of his busy schedule to sit down, have a conversation with you. And he's just asking for a moment of your time. And Jesus asks her, give me a drink. Doesn't even really ask her, just tells her. Hey, give me a drink. Now when Jesus talks to us, when we allow that access to have a conversation with him, more than likely he's going to say something or he's going to ask something that is probably going to rub you raw. It's probably going to make you question some things. It's going to make you feel weird. It's going to make you feel awkward. Because sometimes he likes to put his finger right on the thing that we've been trying to hide. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to, I didn't want to think we had that moment. I didn't want to. Let's look at some examples. Jesus meets the sick man at the pool of Bethesda. He's laying there. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of people at this pool that are all sick. And he walks up and he asks this simple question to the man. It's in Matthew 5, verse 6. We don't have it on the screen. You can check it out later. Matthew 5, verse 6. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, when we're hurting when we're sick, when we're dealing with something, sometimes we like that feeling. They don't call it a pity party for nothing. If I'm depressed or get inside my head or I want to go, I want to post some vague comment on social media so that way people will call and feed and help me. I want to walk nonchalantly down the mall or the store and somebody see me, hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, you know... Because it it makes us feel better when somebody asks us, tell me what's going on. Oh, no, I can't believe they did that to you. They said, what? I can't. And we we feed on that as humanity. I mean, look at social media. Somebody can make one tweet. Somebody can make one statement. 
and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people can jump on it and share it and comment, I hate you, I love you. That's the best comment ever. That's the worst comment ever. It feeds us. Sometimes we don't want to be made well if we're being honest with ourselves. And Jesus comes and he just poses the question, do you want to be made well? And if you read that story, the guy starts making excuses. Well, I don't have anybody to throw me into the pool. There's an angel that comes and stirs the water and I ain't got nobody. And Jesus says, I I didn't ask that. I asked, do you want to be made well? He says, rise, take up your bed and walk. A lot of times, on the verge of a question or statement, our obedience will be life-changing. Let's keep looking at some more examples. The disciples feed the 5,000. Mark chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus tells the disciples, when they said, there's 5,000 people here, it's just men, not including women and children. They're hungry, they're far away, Chick-fil-A's closed, it's Sunday, uh, it's getting late, and all the stores are closed, they can't get to where they need to go to eat, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, in Mark chapter 6, verse 37, you give them something to eat. Uh, The disciples said, well, 2,000 denarii won't even feed. They start running numbers. They're, they're pulling out their money. They're looking at their cash. Uh, what type of food do we have? And Jesus makes a statement, you give them something to eat. Oh, that's a, that's a rough one. When Jesus tells you to do something for somebody else, that might even be your enemy. Might be somebody that you don't like. Might be in a a different social class or race. Might be in a different part of town. And Jesus says, you do something for them. Whoa, 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 Jesus, I didn't want to have this conversation. I ain't, nope, ain't got time to do this. He asked the woman, give me some water. Let's look at another example of Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus is having this conversation, asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they're throwing out all these prophets and all these things and this and all that. And they're saying, well, some people are calling you this and all that. And then Jesus makes it personal. Matthew 16, verse 15. But who do you say that I am? There's a point in time in all of our lives where we can sit in church We can hear all the sermons. We can sing all the songs. We can do all the things. But there's a point in time where Jesus is going to come to you and say, who do you say that I am? And you're going to have to answer that question yourself. It's a hard question to swallow sometimes. Because eventually you're going to have to bow your knee to your Savior and your Lord. Say, I can't do this on my own anymore. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I failed, and I failed. No, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to do it. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? When you're struggling in life, when there's sickness in your body, is he your healer? Is he your provider? Is he your El Shaddai? The names that he gave himself? Is he those for you? Okay, maybe not. Let's keep. Let's throw out some more examples. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 43. Jesus makes the statement to Lazarus. Lazarus, come 
forth. Lazarus, come forth. There was nothing that Lazarus could do to help in that situation. When you're dead, you're dead. You can't do anything. You just kind of lay there. Hang out. But Jesus, in this moment, makes the statement, Lazarus, come forth. So I want to encourage you today that no matter how far you are, no, how, no matter how close to death you think you are, it's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, no matter how far, Jesus is still wanting to have a moment of your time. And that moment of saying, Lazarus, come forth, man or woman who is struggling, come forth, can bring you out of the death of whatever you're struggling with, whatever you've been going through over time and time and time again. One moment with God can change your life forever. Lazarus, come forth. John chapter 21, verse 17. Peter has denied Christ. He went fishing. He gets to the seashore and he sees Jesus cooking some fish. And Jesus asked Peter this, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Another question, another statement that Jesus made that we ourselves have to work out. Do we love him? Because it says, if you love me, and, Jesus, and Peter says, yeah, you know I love you. Then he calls him to action. He says, then feed my sheep. He says, if you love me, then I'm going to tell you to do some things. I'm going to tell you to go to some places. I'm going to tell you to do this or do that. And if you love me, just do it. Go feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Well, go feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Well, go feed my sheep. Do you love him? The last example we have, and we'll move on, is Jesus is in the synagogue. So Sunday, Sabbath. They're at church. They're hanging out, and a man walks in with a withered hand. He's wounded. He's hurt. He's an outcast. He's a freak. It's all of those things, and Jesus tells him, stretch out your hand. And the Pharisees, ah, 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 no, no, no. The law says that you can't do any work on the Sabbath. Can't do it. And Jesus asked this question. Mark chapter 3, verse 4. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, to save a life or to kill? One of the biggest questions when you spend time with Jesus and he asks you a question like that, is it challenges your beliefs, challenges some things that you thought you knew, challenges some things that, that you've stood on in your theology and your religious belief. Well, I've had a pastor tell me this. I heard this. I heard that. And Jesus asked the Pharisees, he says, is it good to do evil or good on the Sabbath? Is it okay on the Sabbath to kill or to heal. And they had no thing because it challenged their belief of something that they had never heard before. When I moved to Dallas, Texas and started serving my pastor, he started preaching some things that I had never heard before. Using the scriptures and showing me in the Bible some things. And there was times where I said, nah, that's, that's not right. No, don't, don't know if I believe that. And I went home and started reading the Bible started reading the scriptures. I'd go and talk with him and ask him. I said, wait, that's, no, that's right. The scripture says that. 
Scripture says that. And I had to change some of my beliefs that I'd held on to so hard because I understood when Jesus showed me this question, said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, that I had to open myself up and say, God, you're the Holy Spirit who teaches me. You're my comforter. Whatever you want to teach me, whatever you want to show me to help me be a better man, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better friend, to be a better person in this community, then I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to have that moment with you, no matter how uncomfortable it is when Jesus is saying, do you want to be made well? Yeah, I do, God. Well, he's going to tell you, well, you're going to need to do this. You're going to need to do that. Oh, didn't want to do that, God. And he's asking this woman, give me a drink. Give me a drink. A man that he's, she's never met before, doesn't know who he is. He's showing up in the middle of the day. For all she knows, he should be working. I mean, he's a man. He should be out doing his job or whatever. And he's sitting here. Let's keep reading the story. The next verse, uh, I believe we're verse 9 maybe. Help me out. Right on time, sir. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. See, I mean, isn't this humanity? Jesus shows up. He asks a question. He pulls something upon you. And the first thing that we do, just like her, is make excuses. We start talking about our culture. She starts talking about these preconceived notions that she has about a Jewish man. Well, Jewish people and Samaritans, we, we don't intermingle. We don't, we don't talk. We don't hang out. We don't do any of these things. Much less a man and a woman who don't know each other back in that time have any conversation or communication at all. What, what are you doing? But the thing is, her physical rejection... Her cultural understanding almost caused her to miss or misunderstand the encounter that Jesus wanted to have with her. Thankfully, Jesus knows what it's like to be misunderstood and rejected. You see, he, she starts questioning, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Why is this interaction happen? But Jesus said, can I just have a moment of your time? Can I just teach you something? I know it's a weird statement. I know it's a weird question. I know it's a weird conversation that we're having in this moment. But if we can just go past that boundary, if we can just submit to what you're saying, if we could just agree, if we could just listen to what's going on, we might just learn something from Jesus. He might just help us. He might just heal us. He might just save us. Instead of just putting up our defenses, saying, no, no, no. Jewish men don't talk to Samaritan women. Be gone with you. I'm not fixing you a drink. What is, this is. But luckily, Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. Jesus understands what it's like to have those awkward conversations. Isaiah 53, we've heard this passage before, starting in verse 3. This is a prophetic word of what Jesus was going to encounter on the cross. He is despised and rejected by men. If you keep reading the story, and I encourage you to do it in your personal time this week, if you keep reading the story, Jesus questions her about her husband, and she says, I have no husband. He says, you've answered correctly, you've had many. And I love, I love the simplicity of the Bible where the woman says, I perceive that you're a prophet. 
Oh, really? <laughs> what, gave, what gave that away? He is despised and rejected by men, just like she had been rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. He was acquainted with grief, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. Wow, he's acquainted with grief. He knows his own grief. He's tired. He's weary. He understands all those things. But instead of him complaining about him, talking about him, hyping him up, he says he bore our griefs. Doesn't even worry about himself. He said, yes, I've been acquainted with grief. I know rejection. I know grief. But you know what? Give me your grief. I know what it feels like, so give it to me. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted, verse 5. We know this scripture very well, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes. Second Peter says we are already healed. We already received that healing. This is, this is pre-cross, pre we're living in post-cross. Is that right? Pre-cross, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know. Uh, this is before the cross. Now we are on the other side of the cross. That healing has already taken effect in our lives. She almost missed a moment with Jesus because she threw up her flags. She threw up her wall. She threw up her defenses. And we can look at this story and be like, I can't believe that. Jesus is right there. Like I, we can look at the scriptures and read these stories, and we automatically, we know the ending of it. So a lot of times we criticize the people in it. Well, Peter, I can't believe you denied Jesus. That's, that's silly. I would never deny Jesus. But we weren't in that moment. This woman had no idea who he was. We have to understand that. But Jesus still met her where she was at. That's the beauty of it. Give me a drink. Let's see, and we'll, we'll finish with this last scripture. I think it's verse 9, maybe verse 10. Yeah. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. In the moment of time, in the craziness of life, Jesus shows up on the scene to encounter and have a moment with this woman. And he throws out this crazy statement, give me a drink. And she's thrown back by it. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you here? What's going on? Is that Jesus? Is that God? Is the Holy Spirit really talking to me? Is this really happening? Am I really, is this, is this, is this? We have all these questions. And then we throw up our defenses well, I'm, not, I'm a woman, and I'm a Samaritan. Jews aren't supposed to hang out. Why should I give you a drink? I, I don't know what to do. And then Jesus pushes it back and says, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew what I could do for you, all you would do is ask, and I would give. Look at how Jesus goes through all of our defense mechanisms to still get to us. Jesus isn't trying to push us away. He's constantly trying to break down the barriers to get closer to your heart. To get closer to your heart. To heal you, to restore you, to save you. He's trying to get as close to you as he can. Even when you throw those things up, ah, no, God, stay away. He says, if you knew, 
if you knew the gift of God. Well, luckily, Scripture interprets Scripture. Let's see what the gift of God is that he's offering. Ephesians 2, verse 8. We know this Scripture. We've heard it before. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that of not yourself. It, what he just said, all that. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that is not yourself. It is the gift of God. He's offering salvation to her. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself. There's nothing, he's telling this woman right here, there's nothing that you can do. This woman is coming to the well when usually it was a social hour and all the women would go to the well together and they would gossip and they would talk. and you know, It's like when the women all go to the bathroom together. Same, you know, I don't know what y'all all do in there, but ten of y'all go in there and have fun. But this woman is going in the middle of the day. She's working because it was the woman's duty to cook and clean and do the things, prepare the house. So she's working to get water, to go back and start supper and do all these things. Maybe she's just leaving to get, get alone. Maybe she had another fight with another husband, another man. She said, I just want to get away and be by myself. She's been rejected by all the other women in the town because they know who she is. They don't want to spend time with her. But Jesus does. Jesus does. He shows up. He says, I have a gift for you. If you knew, if you knew, this gift is here for you. James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. People are going to tell you other things. You're going to hear a lot of other things, but James is saying, don't be deceived. Okay, what should I not be deceived about? Verse 17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived by it. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. It's the gift of God that Jesus is offering. Every good and perfect gift he's bringing and presenting to you today. This woman now realizes the importance and potential of having a moment from her busy schedule and spending it with Jesus. He loves her through the journey of the conversation. He shows his grace, mercy, and love for this woman and humanity. Jesus is telling us today, if you only knew what I had to offer, we put up verse 10 again? He says, if you only knew the gift of God, and who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The only qualification to receive the gift of God is to ask for it. In this moment with God that she's having, he says, all you have to do is ask. He knows that she has a bunch of husbands. He knows that she's not living the best life. She's hurt and wounded emotionally, physically. She's been rejected. She's got everything out there for somebody to completely reject her, push her away, and never spend time with her. Also, the men in that town know, hey, we can call her. 
hang out with her. She's used and abused and rejected by male and female. And Jesus shows up. He says, if you just ask for it, that's all you got to do. I'll freely give it to you. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. If you ask, Jesus says, I'll give it to you. As I finish up today, I, I went to Aiken and went to um, Discount Tire, got my tires rotated, went to the auto store and got a new battery, went and got some gas, called Maddie and said, hey, you want something to eat? And Noah got on the phone and he said, hey, Dad, if you can go get me some chicken nuggets and some fries, go to McDonald's and get me a toy and bring it back. I said, I said, buddy, I said, I said, that's the reason I wanted you to come. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go to McDonald's and, and get you something. And he breaks down crying, mommy, mommy. I said, well, I said, I'll, I'll get you something. So, um, so I had to go to Target to pick something up. And so I went to Target and um, I'm, I'm buying, uh, I had to buy grape juice for uh, communion last Sunday. And um, while I was there, uh, we took, uh, Maddie and Miss Karen took Noah, or tried to take Noah uh, trick-or-treating. He's got this Captain America outfit that he's been wearing for, I think, two months now. Uh, it smells really bad, uh, and it's torn to shreds. And so uh, they, they went to three houses. Sunday, I mean, on Halloween, it, it rained, and uh, he got to three houses, got like, 10 pieces of candy, and so the, uh, that Friday after Halloween, I, I was in Target, and all the candy was 50% off, and so I said, well, let me buy some candy for my buddy, you know, he only went to three houses, and, um, and so I'm going through the candy, looking for his favorite candy, he loves Skittles, um, really any candy is what he wants, and so I found some Skittles, and I said, well, I like Snickers, so that's got some Snickers in it, and uh, so I get some candy, and I find myself in the, in the toy aisle, and uh, I'm looking at toys, and I said, man, my, my buddy would probably love a toy if he was here. And, um, so I find an Iron Man uh, action figure that, that he had been wanting. And so I pick up the Iron Man action figure. And I start walking around. And, and I found a, a, a puzzle that my wife likes to do puzzles. She's been in the house for, it probably feels like a month now for her, cooped up in there. And I said, well, she likes to do a puzzle. And um, Noah kind of likes uh, Pokemon and Pikachu. And there was a Pikachu puzzle. And I said, well, that's perfect. Maddie and Noah can put this puzzle together. And, and so I I buy all these things, and then I'm like, oh, I came here for grape juice. I got to go get that too. And, um, and I'm walking out of Target, and God starts speaking to me again. And he says, you know, son, even when you don't want to spend time with me like your son did, just like you did, I want to be the father and still bless you. I still want to pour out blessing. I'm not mad at you that you didn't want to spend time with me. I'm not, I'm not offended that you didn't want to spend time with you. But my heart is to continually bless you, just like you want to bless your son over and over and over. And I got in the car and I drove back from Aiken to here. I turned the music off. And for that 30, 45 minutes, I just started praying and talking with God. I just started singing in my off-key, terrible voice. I just started praying in tongues in the Spirit and just spending time with Him because I, I had a moment with Him. I had a moment, an encounter with Him where He started teaching me some things. He started showing me some things that have radically changed me. He showed me the heart of the Father. and He showed the heart of the Father in me. And Jesus is asking this week, can I just have a moment with you? He knows you're busy. 
He knows you're working. He knows the stresses and the struggles and the things that are going on in your life. But he just wants to show up in your life this week. I just want to encourage you today to be listening. Because he's going to ask a question. He's going to make a statement to you. And it's going to sound really weird. Give some money to your enemy. Spend some time with me. Have you thought about this? Can you let this go? Can you forgive that person? Can you call that person? Can you message that person? He's going to say something that you're going to say, no, no, no. I rebuke you, Satan. That is not, no, no, no. That is not you. But if you get past your boundaries of saying, no, that's not God. That's, no, he wouldn't want me to do that. Tell that person that Jesus loves them? Absolutely not. Doesn't sound like Jesus at all. I refuse. If you bring down your barriers and you say, Jesus, is that, is that you? Or are you talking? Are you having a conversation? I'm, and lean into him. He's going to open up and he's going to say, if you just ask, if you just ask, you can receive whatever you need today. Make it a priority this week. I beg you. I beg you. It'll change your life. Have a moment with Jesus this week. Amen. Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your heart. We thank you that you want to spend time with us in the craziness of the universe, in the craziness of that word eternity that we don't even fully understand. You want to come down in the cool of the day and spend time with Jeremiah Paul Land from Lake Charles, Louisiana, who was born on August 28, 1986, and have an encounter on the road from Williston, South Carolina to Aiken, South Carolina. You want to have an encounter with, some, with these people in the congregation today. You know their names. You know their birthdays. You know who they are. You know how many hairs they have on their head. You know their thoughts. You know their heart. You know their pain. You know their struggles. You know their frustrations. And Father, they are all choosing today, I believe, by faith, to have a moment with you. That when they're driving to work, when they're in the shower, when they're on their lunch break, when they're out mowing their grass, tending their garden, when they're watching a TV show, when they're doing whatever they're doing, that this week God will, you will stop them and say whatever you need to say to them. Pose a question. Make a statement. And Father, help us lower our defense mechanisms and not run away from that statement, but run to it. And when we run to it, when it says we draw near to God, you draw near to us. And when we have that encounter with you, we experience the gift of God, which is salvation and all that comes with it. Father, bless your people. Father, I thank you that they are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, Father, and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing us into. I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes they are healed. I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that you have called us the salt and light of the earth. You have called us your friend and your son and daughter. And I ask you to help us this week. Let us be a blessing to other people as you have continually blessed us. And bring us all back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a moment with Jesus this week and be blessed. Y'all have a great week. God bless y'all. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.